I think what's really important to know about Instagram in particular is that it's a discovery platform, just like YouTube is. So people don't go to YouTube to connect with their mom and to follow videos from their friends, right? Mm -hmm. They go to YouTube and use it as a search engine. It's the number Mm -hmm. two search engine owned by the number one search engine, which is Google. People use Instagram the same way. So they are not using it necessarily the way they use Facebook. You're on a mission and you just need more people to know about it. And whether you're brand new to marketing or a seasoned pro, we are all looking for answers to make marketing decisions with purpose. I'm Monica Pitts, a techie, crafty business owner, mom, and aerial dancer who solves communication challenges through technology. This podcast is all about digging in and going digital. I'll share my marketing know-how and business experience from almost 20 years of misadventures. I'll be your backup dancer so you can stop doubting and get moving towards marketing with purpose. Hello, and welcome to Nonprofit Marketing with Purpose. My name is Monica Pitts, and I'm your host and the lucky lady who gets to interview our guest today. Now, before we jump into the interview, I have a favor to ask. Will you review this podcast wherever you're listening, whether it's on Spotify or Amazon Music or iTunes? See, our goal is to help more nonprofits just like you have less stressful and more successful marketing so that they can do more of their good work and make our world a better place. But I can't help them until I meet them. And so your review can actually help me change that. When you leave a review, it helps this podcast show up when people are looking for answers to the problems that the podcast is meant to help them solve. So if you are a nonprofit marketing with purpose fan already, and you haven't reviewed the podcast, or if this is your first time and you learn a thing or two, leave a review so we can connect with more awesome nonprofits just like you. Thank you so much in advance. Now let's get to business. Hello, everybody. I'm super excited um, because I have an awesome guest with me. Her name is Julia Campbell. Say hi, Julia. Hi. I almost um, said hi, Julia. Oh, hi. <laughs> hey, it's, you follow directions well, right? I That's, do. <laughs> you must be very successful in life. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a type three Enneagram, definitely. <laughs> I cannot remember what Enneagram I am, and now I'm kind of sad. So I have a short little bio from you, or for you, I should say. Um, so Julia is in Boston, which mm-hmm. is exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am in Missouri. So mm. this is the marvel of digital communications these days, right? That we I can bet have it's, Is it warm room. in Missouri right now? It's getting warm. Yeah, yeah. today it'll be 70 degrees. Oh, it's still like 47 here. <laughs> Yeah, that is such maybe a maybe fifties today. We'll see. <laughs> so, Julia, you are a super busy lady. I mean, like I gambled that you would even answer my email by sending the weirdest off the cuff email I could think of. It was amazing. To, what to was the, the subject line? Was here goes nothing. <laughs> yeah, wasn't that the subject? It was yeah. amazing. I was like, how am I going to get this really smart person to agree to talk about this? <laughs> oh. It was fantastic. I mean, I really, and I'm actually taking a course on publicity and how to grab people's attention just like that when you pitch yourself and I'm completely going to steal that subject line. I mean, it it really did catch my attention. I was like, here goes nothing. What is that? What does that mean? Like it it was smart. I did good. Yes. (laughs) And then you showered me with compliments, which never fails. It's, it's never bad friends seriously compliments are amazing telling people thank you are amazing like if if I could give anyone one advice on social media is just tell all of the people in your audience how incredibly amazing they are and I'm not sure you can really go wrong so Julia is super qualified to talk about this she does online trainings she does Facebook lives you guys could hop over and like follow her as well I just watched your Facebook live the other day on emails and I learned a couple tricks about emails which you guys can watch that Facebook live and you'll learn the tricks too um you do speaking engagements and consulting and you have a blog I mean like all of these things are surrounding the passion that you have to help nonprofits grow their movements. And you have thousands of followers collectively on social media. Yes. And I'm sure that you didn't get them on accident. Yeah, I've been working. I've been having, I had my business for about 10 years. So consistency, consistency. And I'm sure we'll talk about that. But 
Yeah, I've never bought a single follower. That is amazing. Well, I know that you do have some offerings as well. So if you guys like what we talk about today, Julia has a three must-have elements of social media content that converts on her website that you can download. It's a free guide. And um, you do have an academy that opens for enrollment every so often, Social Media for yeah. Social Good Academy that yeah. I'm sure you can teach people all about. Yes. That's my signature like flagship offer and that opens once a year. It's like a five week live training. And if you get on my email list in any way, download something from my website or sign up on my website, you'll get information on that when it opens. And we already did it this year. So we're doing the waiting list for 2022. Now, I love that you are all about social media because I'm all about websites. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, I love websites too. Um, so I see we have a lot of people watching right now. If you guys mm. want to, you can ask questions in the comments for sure. And mm. you can always just say hi and tell us where you're at. We would love to hear from you. That would be so awesome. Um, so full disclaimer, I am not an Instagrammer. I am not like... Like, I, I mean, I have an Instagram account, but I just post pictures of myself like flying around in the splits suspended by like some apparatus because I'm an aerialist. So oh, I'm neat. an interesting person to follow on Instagram, but I, oh, cool. I am certainly not a professional. So I thought we would like maybe kick off this interview with like, who is Instagram good for? Like, is it good for everyone? Because I have a lot of people that are concerns that they should or shouldn't be doing it? That's a great question. So I, I should say full disclaimer. I mean, I don't have like tens of thousands of followers on my personal Instagram because <laughs> like you, I just post pictures of my kids and whatever I think is interesting and I get pretty political and uh, I don't know if it's for everybody, but this is what I train my clients in specifically nonprofits who do have tens of thousands of followers or at least hoping to grow. Um, into tens of thousands of followers. But when I'm consulting a client on whether or not they should dive into a new platform, whether or not it's Instagram, I always try to give them a pretty brief framework that they can use. I mean, number one is your audience on this platform. So if you come to me and you say, I'm trying to target millennial women or young mom or younger moms with families or 18 to 25 year olds or then yes, you do. You probably need to look at Instagram, you know, it, so depending on um, who you're trying to target is your audience there. And then also, can you create content specifically for Instagram? So you can't recycle things on Instagram. Like you can repurpose. If you have a fabulous photo, you put it on your blog, you put it on your website, you put it on Facebook, you can repurpose it. You have to write the caption differently. You have to use different hashtags. You just have to know the culture and the etiquette and the language of link of, of I was gonna say LinkedIn of Instagram, because all of these channels are so different. It's not enough to have a digital strategy. You have to have a website strategy, an email strategy, and an individual strategy for each platform that you're on. Now, I'm sure a lot of your clients are asking. Should I be on Instagram if I don't have a visual brand? If I'm not, if I don't have animals and puppies and kids, and I mean, I work with a botanic garden. It's like tailor, tailor made for Instagram. I actually work with several environmental organizations where their content is just tailor made for something like Instagram. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean if you don't have that be that visual beauty that you can't use it. I mean, you could use graphics, you can use videos, you can do how tos. So um, I just think there are so many examples of people like, say, the Boston Public Schools, or even there's organizations that are not client-facing, um, like Edutopia, like Do Something. They don't serve clients. They're totally based in public awareness and marketing campaigns and education. And they still manage to cultivate and curate an Instagram following. So you might have to get a little bit more creative, but it's certainly possible. Okay. So I'm glad that you just answered that question. Cause that was one of my questions like down the road, because I okay. feel like 
we we do want to repurpose content and that's at like the heart of all of my communications when i'm talking to people about marketing yeah. and helping them plan it is you don't have to have a completely new idea for mm -hmm. every single thing like it all needs to revolve around each other and touch mm -hmm. but it's good to know that it should have a different feel in instagram it should it's a little more casual mm -hmm. inside instagram it's more personal you should be writing as much as you can from the first person perspective or sharing quotes, sharing stories. I mean, Instagram was created to be a visual storytelling platform. That's what it's was designed for. Now there are all sorts of little niche communities that have sprung up. So it doesn't have to be um, pictures of people necessarily. There are, you know, cooking Instagrams. There are all sorts of different accounts based on different interests, different niches, different hobbies, different audiences. So you have to really think strategically about your particular audience and what makes you unique and what makes you different. And for nonprofits, you have to think about the problem you're solving, the why. So you're not going to get anywhere if you're simply posting about the day-to-day -day operations of your organization every day, or if you're posting flyers, please mm -hmm. don't post flyers on Instagram. You can't see them. I can't, you know, they're on a phone and mm -hmm. it just doesn't work. So what I see a lot of nonprofits doing is they do just simply cut and paste content from other places that they're posting content onto Instagram. So you can repurpose but you have to mold it. So when I do my talk on storytelling, I always talk about how the story is the gold. I mean, this is from Andrew Goodman at the Goodman Center. He says, the story is the gold and it's our job to mold it into a ring, into a bracelet, into a watch, into a necklace, depending on our audience, the context and where it's going. So if you have a piece of content or a photo or a story, you have to design it for Instagram and you have to design it for your audience on Instagram, which might be different from your audience that's on Facebook, from your audience on LinkedIn, from your audience on Twitter. Mm -hmm. They are different people. I know for my company, especially like the people that follow us on Twitter are oftentimes other developers. And so they interact with that content a lot differently than say yeah. on Facebook, which is mostly our clients. And so yeah. they love it when we post things about ourselves and our people, they're always interacting with that. And they think it's really fun. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really valid point. I do have a question about when you say first person, because that's a question that we have internally in our office too. So oftentimes I'm the person who's talking, right? And so I'm speaking from myself, mm -hmm. but if you are, posting for a nonprofit, sometimes that's a little different because you're not posting as the founder, you're posting as the nonprofit. Do you use first person plural and say we, or do you, you could say I? we? Yeah. So I think it, it depends what you're posting, what you're sharing, but some of my clients, they always, they say we, like, we are so excited to share this story with you, or we really wanted to tell you this inspiring thing that happened. We are so jazzed to open up our doors in the next couple of weeks, or mm -hmm. we saw this great thing. You definitely can say we. I've also seen organizations like um, Best Friends Animal Society, they actually sign their social media posts. So they say, they talk in the first person and then they say Abigail or whoever it is. And actually they learned that from Barack Obama's social media team. So his social media team used to always do that. And then when he would actually write something, he would sign it, you know, B-O. But I think that's, that's a practice that you might want to use as well. The key is just to avoid corporate speak and jargon mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, avoid looking like a brand, like the big brands, maybe Nike, maybe Apple, they can get away with that, right? But for a small local nonprofit, you want to build that community that really identifies with you. And it might involve someone being the face of the organization, you know, the executive director, the founder, the development director that has to kind of get out there and show their face and be on Instagram stories and be on IG Live and be the one telling everyone about the news and what they need to pay attention to this week and what's coming up, what's interesting, you know, what are the accomplishments? So I think for nonprofits, we're so used to 
sort of hide, not hiding our head in the sand, but we really aren't used to putting ourselves out there. We just want to do our work. We want to create great results. We want to maybe write an annual report, send it to our donors and have people donate. But if you're opening the can of worms on social media, you have to be a little bit more vulnerable and human and personal. Those are some great ideas. I'm like, oh, I'm doing this. It seems so great. Because I actually was just asking myself that yeah. question the other day. Like um, one of my employees wrote this really cool thing for social media, but I it was written in first person by them, but it wasn't. Anyway. You could put it in quotes. I like it. Right. I like it. <laughs> and you could do takeovers. So each member of your staff could do a takeover for a day or a couple of days and everything is from their perspective. And then you just are announcing it in the beginning and saying this team member will be taking over Instagram. We can't wait to see what they have to offer, what they have to share. And then you get a really good perspective into the internal workings of your team. I mean, I, I really believe the power, especially of something like Instagram is to humanize us and to build trust and to increase transparency because Trust is at an all-time low. I mean, the, Edel the Edelman Trust Barometer, which I actually look at every year, found that less than 50% of Americans trust nonprofits to do the right thing. It was shocking. That was the most recent trust barometer that came out. Who are so, they going to trust to do the right thing then? Trust, exactly. They do not trust nonprofits <laughs> to do the right thing. I think it's because we are so worried about letting ourselves go, offending that one person out of 10,000, getting negative comments. Um, we're just so worried to put ourselves out there, but that's what, especially younger generations, that's what they're craving. They don't want to connect with a brand and a logo. They want to know that your organization is made up of people and that you're real. They want to see the impact. Like they want to see where the money goes. They want to see the accomplishments or hear about them. So that's something else. Like I might be jumping ahead, but you don't have to feature your clients on Instagram. I'm not saying call up one of your clients and say, we're going to do an Instagram live and then like put the camera in their face. You do not have to do that. There are lots of examples of organizations that protect their clients' integrity and dignity. They do ethical storytelling. They protect their confidentiality and their um, identities and they tell the story for them. Or they do an Instagram live and say, hey, we had such a great week. We had three women that are one year sober and this and that. I mean, it, it, there are ways to do it without exploiting people and without forcing people that are in crisis to talk on social media, which I never think is a good idea. No, it the victimizing the people that we serve is not the plan. No. <laughs> Not at it, all. Not it's like elevating them, right? That's that's. Oh, I just figured goal. out how to see the comments. Yeah. Hi, right, Megan. Right. Oh, I know people. I know these people. Yeah, I was gonna say we should highlight Megan. I've got this fancy feature where I can click show. So Ooh, Megan yay. says that she recently reviewed her last month insights on Instagram for her nonprofit and was. And it was so helpful going to use this data to craft my future posts. So oh, thank you for your comment, Megan. Marketing, that's what we love. And that's what social media is great for. Your audience yeah. will tell you whether they like something or not instantaneously. So it's just so interesting how people still want to throw money at billboards and newspaper ads, which honestly, I do think are important to target certain populations and they're, they're definitely appropriate in certain circumstances. But... You can't track a billboard, but you can track an Instagram ad. You can certainly look at who viewed your story and how long they were on it and how often they clicked and what they did. Mm -hmm. I love that about social media is that it's very data informed and you get real time results. So you know what's going to resonate. Like you can actually test different things that then you could put in an email or put some money behind creating a professional video or test out an event idea. I mean, it's just kind of a really big sandbox for you to play in and have your audience tell you what's working and what's not working. I often use our audience to help me understand, like, what should I call this thing? Should it be this or this? And yes. they'll answer. And I'm like, thank you. Because I like what's what's interesting is I'll just keep moving forward and I'll pick the name that my gut tells yeah. me. But then I have all this doubt about these other names. And then 
they almost always pick the one that my gut picked. And I'm like, yes, this is so great. I'm not an idiot. Thank you for validating me. <laughs> and you should, you should be looking at the terms people are using. Uh -huh. So I always say digital fundraising and digital marketing. But when you actually look at the terms people are using, they're really using online yeah. marketing and online fundraising. So I have to get out of this mindset of what I like to say and what I like to use. And actually, you could look um, on Instagram and the trending hashtags and you can see how many people follow a hashtag and which are the most popular ones. And that's really how you, you can actually get some intel into the words that you use and the terms that you use just by looking what's popular on a platform like Instagram, like how are regular people talking? I do find with hashtags, with my own personal Instagram following, that's how I get a lot of people to interact with yeah. my posts that I've never met before or start following me to watch me do crazy aerial tricks. <laughs> yes, because they're searching for that. It's such a niche community. It is. I yeah. love it. It's so fun. It's like Cirque du Soleil every day in my Instagram feed. Well, what are the, so what are the hashtags? Is it like Insta Ariel? What are um, the hashtags for it? Hashtag Ariel, hashtag Ariel Flow, hashtag mm. Ariel Hammock, um, hashtag Ariel Sequence. It just kind of depends. And then I also follow one that's Lollipop Lyra um, because it's a very specific apparatus and there's not a lot of people who do it. And so they almost always post that. And so then I can get new yeah. ideas for what I could do on that apparatus. But. See, I love it. It's because the Instagram, I think what's really important to know about Instagram in particular is that it's a discovery platform, just like YouTube is. So people don't go to YouTube to connect with their mom and to follow videos from their friends, right? Mm -hmm. They go to YouTube and use it as a search engine. It's the number mm -hmm. two search engine owned by the number one search engine, which is Google people use Instagram the same way. So they are not using it necessarily the way they use Facebook. They use it a lot more for discovery. I would say at least 75% of the people I follow, I have never met in person. Mm -hmm. Maybe there are other consultants. I follow a lot of drag queens because who has a better Instagram account than a drag queen? There is no one on earth. Like the artistry it's just designed this beauty, this like just showcasing this talent. So I follow a lot of celebrities, news journalists, causes. I mean, I, I, I don't, I haven't met a lot of the people I follow. So it's a place that people go to explore, to find new things, to get ideas and to connect with other like-minded people that you might not have met in person, but now you're connected through this shared identity or like these, the shared love of whatever it is. It could mm -hmm. be aerial. I don't know. What's it called? Aerial acrobatics. What is it called? Um, well, aerialists. We're, we're aerialists. Okay. It's an aerial, it's an aerial art form. Um, okay. there's different apparatuses anyway. It's, it's Yay, but see, it's such a community. <laughs> yeah, there really is. There's a huge community for it. And mm -hmm. we learn from each other. It's like if one person does a really cool move, then everybody else will start emulating it and past it, like posting it. And then you have to re like mention the person who you learned it from. And you then should be like, on TikTok and do the duet. back and forth. Yeah. It's that fun. would be really cool for, for TikTok. Um, that's a, I bet they're huge on TikTok. I'm going to look it up. I don't TikTok at this point. So I have a girlfriend. I, who do, I don't do it myself. Stuff. I just follow a lot of people and stalk them. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't, I don't have the time, but I do look to see what's going on. So I feel like I can keep up with the, keep up with the cool kids, I guess, but it's so fun, but you're right. Like it's involves a lot of time to create. See, it's like, like we're saying, you can't just repurpose what you put on Facebook on TikTok. You've got to really design content for that channel. So with um, hashtags, I feel like for people who are new to Instagram, why don't you explain to them what hashtags are and maybe what role they play in helping them build their audience? So hashtags are a way to filter out information on Twitter, on, I mean, they're used on every social media platform, but on mm -hmm. Instagram, people use them for exploration. So they will search on a hashtag. And what it, what I love about Instagram in particular is you can actually follow the hashtag. So think of it as following a topic. It's really just a topic 
um, of info, you know, a topic that you're interested in, like, ha mm -hmm. like hashtag breast cancer, hashtag animal rights, you know, whatever it might be. And you can follow the hashtag and then you'll get introduced to new accounts that use that hashtag, but people that you don't necessarily follow and you don't have to follow them, but you can still see their stuff by looking at the hashtag. So you don't have to clutter up your follow list by following millions of people you don't know just to get this information. You can actually just search for it. So it's almost better than a search term because it's very specific. Um, I think the key to using hashtags is the more specific you can get, like Lollipop, I don't even remember what that was called. Lollipop Lira. <laughs> Lollipop Lira, right? That's a very specific hashtag, but the people that are searching for it are your people, right? Mm -hmm. You know that they're going to be interested in it. So oftentimes I see nonprofits using hashtag selfie, hashtag love, hashtag, and those hashtag are- Profit. <laughs> hashtag nonprofit. Hashtag fundraising. There's so many millions of people that are using those hashtags. You're never going to rank for it. No one's ever going to see it, but use hashtags, especially if you are a library, if you're a destination, if you're a museum, if you are a theater, if you're an arts and culture, historical society, use the hashtag of your locality because people are always searching like hashtag Salem mass, hashtag Boston, you know, hashtag New Orleans, whatever it might be. People are searching. I know when I go to a new city, I usually search on that hashtag, just kind of see what's going on, see what restaurants are, you know, what people are posting about different restaurants when, you know, we used to travel. But I think um, being very strategic and not just kind of using it as a one-off or just making it up as you go, like have a set of five that you use every single time and think of it like Google, think of it as search words you wanna rank for. Think of it of if your ideal donor was searching for you, what would they use mm -hmm. to find you? Um, what kind of language would they use? What kind of terms would they use? So they're really supposed to be help. They're supposed to be helping us filter out the internet and just find the things that we're interested in. Now, I do think that sometimes we call our locations by nicknames. So my community, we call ourselves Como, yes. and what. I would suggest that you do before you start using that as a baseline hashtag all the time is search it yes. um, because Como, if you search it, it's these models in Italy oh. <laughs> I, and, and it yep. does not come up as Columbia, Missouri at all. And so that can happen. So before you're using like a nickname or an acronym that you might refer to your organization as or anything yeah. like that, you should definitely look for it because <laughs> you can end up with really funny stuff on accident. <laughs> oh, definitely. That's a great one. If you're going to if you're going to start your own. So I think there's two sides of this coin. One side is use ones that people are already using. Mm -hmm. The second side is if you do want to create your own. I mean, if you're having an event say you're running an event and you want all of the people attending the event, the speakers, everyone to connect around a hashtag, make sure you're using one. That was really good advice. That is not being used by something crazy or going to be hijacked by some, you know, some group of people that have nothing to do with your event or your fundraiser. But if, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think nonprofits necessarily need to create their own hashtag unless they are, unless they have a really big community or they have a community that they know is going to use it, but it can't hurt. I mean, it's just mm -hmm. hashtags. Like we, we overthink everything in this realm. I think it's like, just you gotta have some fun. Yeah. We use a hashtag for Como gives every year, which is our. Local That's perfect. Cause fundraiser. I don't think anyone else would use that. Yeah. And so we use it. And we ask all of our organizations participating in this month long local yeah. fundraiser to use it on their posts. So that way we as the marketers can filter and then oh, yeah, share it awareness. over mm -hmm. and over again. <laughs> um, and like, because otherwise we have to look at 142 news feeds and like that it is. It, it's like Giving Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. You want to be able to filter it out. Yeah. So, um, since we're talking about building your Instagram audience, is there a tactic that you find like moves the needle that just like it works? <laughs> yes. And I wish that I 
did it more. I recommend to my clients, you have to follow 10 accounts every week. Okay. Have to follow them. It doesn't have to be people that follow you. I don't agree. Well, if you follow me on Instagram, I'm sorry, because I have, I'm the worst about following back. I I'm the worst. I'm just, I don't, I don't know. I just, I have my way of using Instagram. I may or may not follow you back. I don't, I can't promise, but I also don't think that it needs to be like that. You don't need to follow everyone that follows you, but you do need to start following people. Like we're not Taylor Swift over here. Like I think she has a hundred million followers and doesn't follow zero people. So we're not her. (laughs) Um, We have to follow people in order to gain that kind of exposure because they'll see it and then they may or may not give us a follow back. So those could be community partners. Those could be just national organizations doing what you're doing. Those could be thought leaders. Those could be donors, board members, whatever it is. But really, we have to we have to understand that we have to give back and we're not entitled to just get a lot of followers and having an audience. Mm -hmm. The other thing is being responsive on Instagram. So it's a very two way street there. If someone writes a comment, you have, you should heart it or you should like it, or you should comment back and reply and say, thank you or answer the question. If they're asking a question, even if it's what are your hours where, you know, you could find it on the website, just, be gracious and put it there, put, <laughs> put the hours there and answer your DMs, like your direct messages if people are messaging you. So we're, for some reason, I know that it's 2021. We are still using social media, like a billboard and like a um, broadcast mechanism when it is a two way street and we have to be willing. It's, t- it is, it's tiring to go through, to delete the spam comments to monitor the questions and to look at the messages. Mm-hmm. For most of us, it's not going to be an overwhelming amount uh, of time that you need to be doing this, but it does have to be a piece of the social media management puzzle. And you can do it through some of the management softwares. Like we yeah. use um, Loomly. And oh, Loomly. I can get in there and see what people are doing and commenting, and that helps save me some time. Mm-hmm. And then two, one thought that I had on like the people to follow, because I know I totally agree with you. Some of my clients, they call their social posts ads. And I'm like, oh man, like no, there's a difference between advertising <laughs> and marketing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, there's a time and a place for both, but yeah. They're there. I'm like, well, I know where you stand now. Yeah. I know the way that you think about this social posting that we're doing for you. So I get that. Now it's my um, goal to help you understand it in a different way. Um, but people are like, I'll ask them, well, who do you follow? Who do you interact with? And they say, oh, well, you know, other organizations in town. And I'm like, okay, now let's think about your target market. Like who are they and where are they? Because I think that you should be following Mm -hmm. other businesses, organizations, even people that are in contact with your target market. Yep. So that way you can see what are they talking about? What are they interested in? What are the posts that that person are make, is making? And and how how did they respond to that? Like you can use it as a research project if you're watching what's going on, but you can't do it as a research project if you're only following <laughs> like other people in your community that do the exact same you thing. Follow like the five foundations in your community and that's it. No, you can't do that. And they're probably not posting very much, to be honest, but (laughs) so you're not going to get much Intel there. (laughs) Um, okay. I kind of, okay. So I do have a question. Mm -hmm. Um, so Facebook and Instagram, they, they touch each other, which is confusing, but they don't touch each other, which is also confusing because when you're in one, you're not in the other, but then when you get into the inner creator studio, yeah. yeah both. Um, so recently I had uh, a couple people tell me that Facebook wasn't doing as good of a job like sharing their content anymore. And mm-hmm. I know that we're not necessarily talking about um, Facebook right now. But do you know what's wrong with those monsters? Like, why aren't they showing nonprofit content? Any, like, well, as Facebook owns Instagram. So the Instagram yes. monsters are the same. Like, let's mm-hmm. not confuse it. I do have people, that, clients that say they can't ethically be on Facebook, but they're staying on Instagram. It's like, mm. you. Pro- I, I support you ethically if you want to leave both. 
but you, you can't pick and choose. Like they're owned by the same people. So really what happened was about 10 years ago, we were sold a bill of goods where Facebook came to us and said, hey, this is a fantastic way. We're going to connect the whole world. And it's a free and easy way to connect you with your fans directly. And there's no email subscription and there's no website for them to go to. And it's going to be this great, cool way for them to see everything that you're posting whenever you post it. And then, I mean, there's so many billions of pieces of content posted like every minute. And then also at this point, I do not even know how many pages I must follow I, I, or how many people I'm connected to, how many things I've commented on. I don't even know. So I think Facebook is very confused by me at this point. They don't know really what to show me because it's been, I've been on it so long and I've just changed mm -hmm. my interests, you know, in the 10 years. So it's the amount of content that is really behind this, but it's also the fact that Facebook got wise to the power that they had. And they said, we're going to make more money. And now you have to pay if you want to reach a significant proportion of your audience. So for me, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, I like social media as a place to amplify your message and like build a community, but you do need an exit strategy. I mean, you, you consistently need to be trying to get people onto your email list or sign a petition or onto your text updates or make a donation. Like if you have a strategy where like 20% of the time you're, you're asking people to come over to another platform where you control that information much more than you control Facebook, I think that's really the strategy. We have to look at it as the icing on the cake and we have no control over these channels, like zero control. And they don't have our best interest at heart. They don't even have the user's best interest at heart half the time. So especially in a year like this, all of us need to truly do an audit and like take stock. Where are we online? Where does it align with our mission and values? If you've got a great vibrant community, don't leave them high and dry. But if you're spinning your wheels and not getting anywhere and spending money and then every day you wake up and you're just saying, oh, I'm just making like Mark Zuckerberg richer and I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, really think about are there other places you can maybe spend your time? So it's it's definitely, a, I just, I don't like when I see social media consultants or speakers talk about it as this saving grace or it's the be all end all. You don't even need a website. You don't even need email. And we were just talking about the donation conversion rate <laughs> of email, 17%. Are you kidding me? Or what are open rates, right? Yeah. I get a, it on a good day, I will get a 40 to 45% open rate on my email newsletter. It's awesome. I'm lucky if I don't pay Facebook, I get 3% of people on Facebook looking at what I'm doing. Doesn't mean it's not valuable, but it means it's a piece of the puzzle. Like don't put all your eggs in that basket. Now there are multiple avenues of Instagram though. And you mentioned them earlier, like there's, there's posting, mm. but then you also have stories, you have a live, so a live option. So can you <laughs> tell me a little bit about how a nonprofit might use the different like compartments to promote themselves? Well, two, the two things you want to start out with are the feed, which is your beautiful feed. Think of it like your art museum. You're going to curate it with your best, best stuff. That is your, um, your feed, your main profile. Mm -hmm. And then Instagram stories are a way for you to do kind of B-roll a little bit, like documentation, get creative, get off the cuff. And like, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. Instagram stories are so popular because people that use Instagram, they're on it daily and they want to connect with things they care about. They want to see something from them every day. I get messages from people when I have not posted an Instagram story saying like, you should post an Instagram story. I'm like, I'm not doing anything interesting. <laughs> okay. I'll just post my, my son getting on the bus. I, me walking. Like, I don't know because it's that feeling connected to things you care about. It's just, it's so, so hard to describe if you're not using it, but those are the two features you definitely need to start out with. Once you've mastered the feed and once you have some following, once you've used stories 
for a little while and built a little bit of an audience. Then I would expand out into live. Um, Instagram, if you're doing Facebook lives, you can do Instagram lives. I mean, they're the same thing. Um, and actually Instagram live tends to get a lot more engagement and people tend to comment and share and jump in and out and there's hearts flying everywhere. Um, but I would only recommend that if you actually have some people there to watch it. Uh, mm -hmm. But in the beginning, of course, you're going to have to build that up. And then Reels is really their answer to TikTok. So if if you can't tell, Facebook, first they bought Instagram. Then they wanted to cut the, like, not, I see, I never know what to say. The kneecaps. What do you do? They wanted to kneecap Snapchat. <laughs> okay. Cut the, knee, cut the legs out from under. I, I don't know whatever yeah. the saying is. So Keep then they made Instagram under. stories, which was their answer to Snapchat. Then they made Instagram Live, which was their answer to YouTube Live. Then they made Reels, which is their answer to TikTok. So every feature is actually stolen from another social media platform. But if you focus on Instagram, if you are focused, if you're all in, if you have a really great audience there, definitely explore these features. But I don't think they are, I mean, they're not going to determine whether you succeed or not. Some of the biggest nonprofits are not doing lives. They're not using reels. Um, most of them are probably using stories and, you know, active in the newsfeed. Mm -hmm. But just don't get, you know, there's so many different features on Facebook as well. Um, everybody has stories and now Twitter has fleets. And I don't even, I can't even keep track of 90% of it. Um, one thing I will say about Instagram that's exciting, I just saw today, they are rolling out captions for stories and videos. So hallelujah, just took 10,000 years for them to do that. <laughs> so make sure you caption your stories um, just to make them more accessible. Also, a lot of people listen to them with the sound off. I know I do. I do too. So I think, um, I think that's going to be a huge feature. I think stories are going to even explode in popularity even more now because of that. And I feel like too, just realize that you probably can't give up Facebook yet, no matter how excited you are, because a lot of your donors are on Facebook and they're not gonna be on Instagram yet. But mm -hmm. the donors of tomorrow, they're hanging out on Instagram and we have to start making friends with them. And so and there's that's so many fun Instagram is cool. There's like, there's the donate button on your profile, there's donate donation stickers. They're rolling out face, um, not Facebook fundraisers, Instagram fundraisers based on Facebook fundraisers. So there's going to be a lot more. Um, there's going to be many more opportunities for people to raise money for you and for you to directly raise money through the platform. So I think focusing on building up an audience right now is very important because just like you said, it's the donors of tomorrow, you know, and some of the donors of today are on there. So I guess my last question, if it is my last question, like since I'm a web person and I'm always looking at the web data to make sure that things are working, it's hard for me to see if Instagram is working or not from mm -hmm. the web data because we're not directly linking people to the website from the Instagram posts. And so I always have you know, Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn as the biggest referrers of social media traffic to the websites yes. that I manage. Are there things that you would say people need to look at to understand that their Instagram is successful for them? Since you can't find it in Google Analytics nearly as well. Right. <laughs> you can see if people are clicking on the link in your bio, mm -hmm. but, and if you have 10,000 followers, you can put a link in your Instagram stories. Mm -hmm. um, certainly you can type the link into your caption, which mm -hmm. I don't think always works. So, I mean, Instagram's not designed to send people off the site. It's designed to keep people on and mm -hmm. to keep people exploring, to keep people looking and watching. So I would do what Megan did, look at your insights and determine, are you constantly growing your following? Is your engagement growing? Um, and you can really look at it for type of, you know, type of post that works really well. I know that with one of my clients, we found, um, not surprisingly, that landscapes don't do as well as people or people with their pets when they post people in their pets. So that was, you know, something they wanted to do a better mix of. And then you can really look at 
the types of content, maybe longer captions versus shorter captions. But to me, like building a community, I mean, it really, you might not always be able to every single day say, Instagram is driving our bottom line. But if you get a vibrant community on there, and then you add the donate button or you add like a text to donate works really well on Instagram. Or if you have a contest where you're collecting emails or, or where you're, um, you know, you're trying to grow your following so you can get that 10,000. Those are the things, those are the ways that I think you can really determine success because I just, I don't really see Instagram as kind of like a quid pro quo, like you're on it and you're guaranteed to get a hundred new email subscribers every month. And that can be really difficult for people, but you will get intel into the types of content that people like, the types of stories that resonate with them. And, you know, you can call on them. You can call on them. Like I, I do advertising on Instagram once in a blue moon, but certainly my Instagram audience is very engaged when I actually ask them for something because I give, 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 you have to constantly be giving value and then once in a blue moon ask for something. But I don't know, you can use, I would use it as a piece of your bigger fundraising or marketing strategy. Okay. So I'm going to wrap us up by just asking any other advice that you would have to give about building an Instagram audience. We've covered so much at this point. I'm like, I'm, I'm literally going to re-listen to this and take notes because I'm that excited. <laughs> I mean, be consistent. So I, I, do not, I don't take my own advice. I am not consistent on my personal, but be consistent. So make sure that the post looks and feels like you. So mm -hmm. you know it when you see it. I'm thinking of one of my favorite organizations, Amira Incorporated, they have, they use the same font. If they're ever putting text on a photo, they always use purple. Their logo is this butterfly. Everything is very clean and aesthetic and calm. They usually share like um, photos of women, maybe sipping coffee or something. I mean, it's very like you could, I, you could show me a photo and I would know that it was that organization mm -hmm. from a mile away. So consistency in your branding, consistency in your voice, People just need to know what to expect a lot of the time. You, that doesn't mean you can't surprise them or shock them or tell them something amazing, but show it just showing up. I mean, I would, I would commit to post at least twice a week mm -hmm. on, the, on your regular main, main, main page. And then if you can post more than that in your stories, mm -hmm. and the consistency will constantly, you know, it, the algorithms reward consistency because they see you're not a spammer. They see, oh, they're con they're you know slogging uphill, and then tagging people. I think is another good way to do it. Don't tag people for the sake of tagging people. I get tagged in things that don't make any sense to me. I'm like, why am I? <laughs> but tagging people where it makes sense, tagging um, you know any you know tagging a location you're at, tagging a sponsor if you're thinking a sponsor, that all makes sense, and that's going to help get you in front of their audience as well. But really, I mean, it's, it's not something that just goes on like a light switch. Like you have to learn. It's a muscle. You constantly have to be exercising. And as much as you can just kind of show up, understand what your audience wants from you, understand who your audience is on Instagram, and just even ask them what they want to see from you. And then give it to them. And if you deliver consistently, you will grow your audience. So before we leave, I have to celebrate our like national selves right now. Because as I said earlier, you know, Julia's in Boston. And I'm hanging out in Missouri. And Jennifer joined us from Missoula, Montana. Hey. And we had Darcia who joined us from Great. Pennsylvania. Ben joined us from Florida. And then we had Carla who joined us from Sweeney hey. Lake, which is central Montana. Hey, I have relatives that live in Montana. They I love I want to go to Montana so badly. And I then um, 
Texas. Um, Karina joined us from Texas. How cool is that? I'm like, this is so neat. I just had a meeting with people from all over the US. Oh, look, in Tennessee. In Tennessee. Guys, this is so cool. Yeah, and very, Wendy's very cool. in San Diego. San Diego. Oh, hi, We're Wendy. All jealous of you, Wendy. Oh, Ontario, I mean, Canada. Yay. Canada. Yay. Yay. How cool is that? Okay. Washington. Hi, Brittany. That's mm -hmm. exciting. Thank you so much, everybody. I for love doing it. This. I love this technology. I love this. This is exciting. So once again, I want to remind everybody that Julia does have a free offering, three must-have elements of social media content that converts that you can get over on her website and download and learn from. Julia, tell them your website and how they can contact you. I am at juliacampbell77 at, on Instagram. And my website is jcsocialmarketing.com. That's my blog, all my freebies. My webinars, pretty much my contact information is all there. So um, yeah, check it out. And remind people how you help them too in their organization. Like what's your role? Sure. I help nonprofits navigate the digital age. So I help them <laughs> build their movements, tell their stories and build their audiences using their website, their email and social media. So a lot of strategy, a lot of campaigns, a lot of calendaring and a lot of therapy. So social media therapy, <laughs> I always say I should be a social media therapist with the coaching that I do. Yeah, you're like a coach, an accountability partner, and a teacher all rolled into one. Oh, I and love that. Yes. That's really cool. Okay, so we had two other people that wanted to let us know where they're from. And as soon as I find my mouse, we have to say hi to them. Nicole is in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And JC is, joined us from Wisconsin. So that's so cool, that's you guys. Absolutely honored to have had your attention for this long. And Thanks. I'm also extremely thankful, Julia, that you came oh on and shared this stuff because it's so awesome. So thank you so much for joining us, everybody, and have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks, Monica. I really appreciate it. So thank you so much for your time today. Once again, my name is Monica Pitts and you're listening to Nonprofit Marketing with Purpose. Now, before I let you go, I just wanna remind you about that little favor I asked you about in the beginning. Will you please review this podcast wherever you're listening? It will help us show up when people are looking for answers to the problems that this podcast will help them solve. So if you're a fan and you haven't reviewed the podcast, please, leave me a review. That would be so awesome. I would love to hear your feedback. And if this was your first time, I mean, double welcome. And I hope you learned a thing or two. So leave a review so we can connect with even more awesome nonprofits just like you and help them on their journey to less stressful and more successful marketing. Thanks again for your time today. Now, until next time, go forth and market with purpose.